Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the House of Bricks podcast, where we teach people to use life's experiences for you instead of carrying them with you and letting them weigh you down. And so our podcast has featured uh, NBA athletes, uh, NBA champions, best-in-class entrepreneurs, CEOs, keynote speakers. And today I have a very special guest. I'm very excited to introduce him. Uh, he has an incredible story just of his upbringing and also overcoming adversity to achieve a lot of success. But as we know, the path to success is never a straight line. And success in life is also a horrible teacher. So when you have success, you get comfortable in life. And it's really through our failures that we uh, grow and, and develop as a person. So I'd like to welcome, uh, like I said, a very special guest, Lenny Banks. Welcome to the House of Bricks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for that conversation, for sure. So tell our guests, where, where are you joining us from today? So I live in Dubai now. I'm originally from Germany, but yeah, I'm joining from Dubai. So I have German blood running through my veins also. <laughs> so uh, big, big fan of the culture and, and country there. And, and for some reason, I keep ending up with guests from Dubai. So I have spent some time there. I, I mm -hmm. uh Spent a couple nights at the Burj Al Arab, so a, a six-star yeah. hotel there. Uh, great introduction to Dubai, <laughs> no better place to stay. Thank you for, for joining the show here today. So Lenny, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so essentially, as you said, I'm an entrepreneur. I am um, from Germany. And essentially, I think you mentioned in the very beginning that it's through adversity and just it's never a straight line. And it's very funny because when I started my journey, so it was roughly, I think it was four years ago that I was still literally completely broke. And and by completely broke, I mean, it's it's not India kind of broke, right? Where we're, you live in slums or something from Germany. But it's, you know, you see the perspective, you see um, the people around you. And we were the brokest kids in school, so to say right yeah i started and now i live in in dubai and yeah in the last essentially two to three years now we've been doing two to three million dollars per year in in revenue with our business and so that's the that's a little bit of the of the short form story i think we'll go a little bit deeper inside yeah we yeah, definitely that, will and you touched on so four years is not a long time to go from broke to a couple million a year so there definitely had to be some some challenges along the way. Yeah. Uh, you're obviously a younger guy. When, when you say you were broke go, growing up, were you going to private school, public school? Tell us a little bit about your family life. Um, I went to normal um, public school, but I'll explain um, because it's a very interesting thing, actually. So my parents, before I was born, were actually wealthy. They had a business and were doing quite well. And by quite well, I'm talking, they were doing millions in revenue with clothing. And that essentially went um, bankrupt. And essentially, I lived in a, in a city in Germany, a village, so to say, with 11,000 people. And nearly every family had like one person or one person they knew that worked for my father and my father's company. Long story short, and there's also like um, bankruptcy, you know, articles online and stuff like that about the company. But essentially, the company went bankrupt and he made some financial mistakes. For example, put all his private money into the company and his securities for the loan, etc. And also there, it's a little bit different going bankrupt in Germany versus in the US, for example. In the US, I mean, it's a it's normal, like I, I, as I, what means normal? No one wants to go bankrupt, but it's more accepted. Let's put it this way, right? And in Germany, it's not at all. So my father pretty much started from scratch. And, it, and when I mean from scratch, we're not talking, oh, I had, you know, a million left or a few hundred thousand dollars left in the bank account or something. But for me, it was the best thing. Like I grew up, I, I didn't have, you know, the, the silver spoon. I actually didn't even know how it is like to have money. Yeah, how it started. And then when I went to school in the beginning, I just realized like, oh, I want to buy something. But um, my parents tried to never... Um, really 
show me that they were struggling financially because they never made it back in the last 16 years after bankruptcy, so to say, or 17, 18. And until my brother and I retired them now a few years ago, that was essentially the indicator where I realized, wait a second, we can't go to vacation. All the other people are going for a vacation. We can't, you know, I want to buy some stuff. I can't have the new iPhone and all of these things that came out back then, right? When I was in school, that's, uh, that's kind of the background. So I know as a parent, I have four boys and it's funny. We, I started with a couple hundred bucks in my pocket, grew it into a multi-million dollar business. Started out of my apartment when I was 19 and it was like, I was too dumb to realize the amount of risk that I was actually taking to like take $200 and turn it into a million dollar business. Like there's no logic behind that, but I had the passion, the drive and desire, which it sounds like, you know, you did as well. And I, I trade, yeah. face some adversity growing up as well. And it's that adversity that creates that fire and passion to do it. But then when you become a parent, you oftentimes want to keep your kids from going through difficult situations. And yet that's what made you who you are. And that's what made me who I am. So it's a very tough place to be as, as a parent. You want to give your kids uh, a better opportunity than you had, have your uh, ceiling be their floor and they kind of build from that. So it's a very uh, difficult balance as a parent. I've been thinking about this actually a lot. I, I like that you're saying this out of the perspective. I don't, I don't have any children yet, right? But I've seen my, my mom um, cry a lot because of money. And when I grew up, pretty much the, the main thing what I always realized was like or thought was, oh, they didn't have money. They were fighting over money. My mom was crying constantly because they, then they didn't know how to pay rent afterwards and stuff like that. And I was like, no money equals no happiness. Money equals happiness. And that was in the beginning what for me was the switch. And when you mentioned this taking the risk, I dropped out literally a week before high school exams. I was like, told my teachers I'm going to become a millionaire on the internet, having no clue what I'm going to do. But I felt like, you know, I saw other people online on social media like yourself and, you know, podcasts. Back then, podcasts wasn't really big, at least not in my realm. But I was like, other people are doing it. I'll figure it out. You know, I'm not stupid, but... Um, yeah. So, so, but I've had that conversation with my brother. I was like, so now, for example, I live like in a, in downtown Dubai in a three-story penthouse. And, and I was like, my parents, and I'm just 26. What happens in the next 10 years? You know, what kind of house will I live then? My children, they will never feel what I felt. And I, obviously it's good. I don't want my wife to cry because of money, right? Money problems. But on the other side, I don't cry for other reasons. I promise you, they, they, they'll find something. They'll always find a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just kidding, yeah. Vanessa. You know, I'm just, she's listening out there. That was a joke. So graduate or didn't graduate high school a week before exams, you pulled the plug there. So you're living in, in Germany at the time. Yeah. What brought you to India? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Essentially now I'm in Dubai, of course, but in the beginning, so I started a few things I tried to sell fish on events, which failed. I tried a lot of things. I tried a fitness app because I was quite fit back then, like a six pack and stuff like that. When I mentioned from 2019, that's when I made the first time money, but I tried you know, stuff before, which never really worked. And then I realized, wait a second, there was this guy in Germany and he was making a lot of money off like fitness stuff and managing other influencers. And we're talking millions of dollars back then making millions of dollars. Nowadays, it seems like a little bit, if you're in the online business from, you know, a lot of people making millions of dollars nowadays, right? Of course, it's still the small portion, but if you're in that bubble, but back then, I think he was the only person in Germany online making a few million dollars a year. You know, if this guy can do it, maybe we can model it, but maybe in a different country because Germany seems saturated on YouTube and social media and everything. And I was like, US, of course, is maybe the first country usually with trends and Europe and Germany comes. And I was like, what comes after Germany? I was looked and I was like, India. So we literally packed everything and um, flew to India and yeah, started, just took massive, imperfect. And as you mentioned before, stupid action, stupid. We were literally so naive. And that's, in my opinion, the first lesson, be naive. 
Like if you're not naive in the very, very beginning, later on, don't be naive. But starting out, you have to be naive in my opinion. I think it's your biggest strength. Most people are just way too realistic because if you're realistic about how hard it's going to be, of course, then you'll not start. But I thought I'm going to be a billionaire in four years from starting. Like I'm, I literally thought, so I was like, that's going to be child's play, you know? And of course it's bullshit, right? But it got me started. Yeah. So one of the things that I always coach entrepreneurs and CEOs, really anyone in life, is you have to make a decision, right? Our, our decisions create action, that action creates feedback, and then you just continue to read and react and make progress. That is what separates those from who are successful. We just have to make decisions. Those decisions give us feedback, they give us data, and it's not about always having the right decision. Uh, it's just making it and getting that feedback and then continuing to make progress. And it sounds like you did that. And so you move to India, you try a couple things. What was really your first moment of success and, and what type of business was that? If you'd ask me success, it would not be financial success because we started the YouTube channel. We studied YouTube like crazy. We were like, we're going to be the Logan Paul and Jake Pauls of India, right? And we're going to manage. We, I, we know that there is a less GDP per capita and everything, right, in India, but they have a billion something people. Now it's 1.5 billion. Back then it was maybe 1.2 billion. I was like, we can make up for it, right? There was no business plan. It was just, this was our logic. I was like, okay, there's enough people. You know, there's rich people over there. Let's figure out, right? Essentially went over and then we started and we realized I still have videos of that, which is, I'm so grateful because also another phone with a lot of memories are, um, it's unfortunately gone, but I still have a lot of memories left where we uploaded the first YouTube videos and nothing happened. The first few views, just our parents were like, maybe it's not as easy as we thought, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course we had pressure because we had, you know, a little bit of our savings and my brother threw, let's call it a little bit of shady money, you know, selling, selling weed and stuff like that. And through some sports training and that I was giving and teaching children, so to say. And yeah. So you, so, hold on a second. So you're teaching kids and your brother's selling weed. It was very different. Very paths. Love very the different creativity paths. and diversity of that. But, you know. very, the entrepreneurship got us together. Actually, we were not close bef and now we're like the same person. Like we're literally like twins, closer than twins. And before we were very different. Yeah. Through Is the he older than you or younger or what's the age difference? Four years. He's older, four years. He's older. Okay. So what's it like? Are you 50-50 partners in your business ventures or? On everything. So everything we do is literally 50-50. So for, for me and also my brother, so family overall, we're a small family, so to say. We, of course, have cousins and stuff, but we have zero contact to them. It's literally my brother, me, my mother, and my father, and we are. So it's like my money is his money, and my money is my parents' money. I don't, I don't care. Like, I retired them. I'm, um, I also posted it literally yesterday. There's a lot of people in my age that put so much value, specifically on social media, and I'm not saying mine is better or something. It's for me, my value. But I, I literally put four or 500 grand into my parents' um, freedom, health, longevity stuff, sending them to the best doctors in Munich, in Germany, et cetera, just to live longer, be healthier, testosterone replacement therapies, et cetera, right? So yeah, that's so 50-50 now, everything with my brother and yeah. So you start the YouTube channel. What was the next business after that? Well, it took one and a half years or so. We pushed it to like 600,000 subscribers. Yeah, like daily uploading, just pounding, not missed a single day for 480 days or something um, or 500 days. And it was editing and shooting. It was daily vlogs. It was often like day and night. And then we realized, hey, actually the Daryl Eves contacted us. He's now the algorithm manager of Mr. Beast the biggest YouTube in the world. And he was like, you guys have serious potential. Come to the US, you're not making any money in India. And we were like, cool, but we don't have money to come to the US. <laughs> so we were like, we need money. And then we was like, okay, coming to LA, because LA was the hub back then where all the YouTubers were. So we were like, okay, 
what do we need? And we were like, maybe $50,000. We're like, okay, 50 grand is enough. Fly over and be safe for some time. So we made the math with the YouTube channel. Back then we were like 500 bucks because most people were like, that's impossible. Six, we had like 50 million views. I literally checked it. And th- those one and a half, two years, we earned $8,000 over all the views. Like it was crazy. And then we re- that's how I stumbled into online business. I was like, this doesn't add up to the 50 grand. It's going to take forever, right? Even if we monetize 10 times better, et cetera. Yeah, and then I realized there's dropshipping, agency, and trading. And I decided in the beginning for dropshipping. And so you you move, you moved ended up moving to LA for a time no. or you didn't do that? Oh, I, okay. didn't, I didn't make the money, right? And then okay. we said, and then we started the, the online business back then, dropshipping in e-com stores. That was the first one, maybe four months, no success. And then that started picking up just every single day, like launching new stores and stuff. And then we realized, wait a second, maybe it's not meant to be a, a YouTuber. And then we got into, so to say, entrepreneurship, online entrepreneurship. And what is your current business now? So now I'm um, quite big on Instagram. I have um, a little bit shy of 300,000 followers there, which of course turned into a business where I just document everything that I'm doing and I'm trading. That's where I transitioned into now. So I started as a as with dropshipping, did this for a few months until I realized it's too much headache with customer support, too little margin, where it would have required a much better operation with warehouse and stuff like that and better shipping times, et cetera. Then I started partnering, very similar to affiliate marketing, um, with a retired math teacher my mom knew. And I essentially started selling her math course and just used all the marketing knowledge we knew from from dropshipping, made like $160,000 in the first four months selling her course. And um, it was like... It was even better than than affiliate marketing because she didn't want to partner with us. She essentially sold us the rights for like a thousand bucks for the course. And we just said, Instagram, Facebook is what we're doing. You can do, keep doing Pinterest. I was like, who the hell does use Pinterest anyway? And then it transitioned into posting those successes on Instagram. A friend actually convinced me to do it because I'm not a very big Instagrammer actually and showing my life and everything. But then people liked seeing a young person running a business, having profits and lifestyle and traveling and stuff like that. And then this turned into a coaching business. How do you do the same thing what I do? Now I transitioned to trading because I realized there's a lot of money in this as well. And I lost a lot of in the last crypto bull run because I had no clue what I'm doing. You were along with a lot of people. So what I'm seeing here is something I also teach entrepreneurs and for our listeners out there, you have to try a lot of different things. And there's always patterns in business that whatever industry you're in, my businesses have been in healthcare, direct marketing, mobile technology, sales coaching, and there's different patterns in business, regardless of the industry that are the same, that you can recognize and create opportunity. And it looks like you've been able to do that in different industries. Now you've locked into trading. Do you have an online course that people purchase or are they just following you on Instagram? How do how are you monetizing your current business? So essentially, um, I told you that I was doing between two to three million a year with uh, my coaching business on Instagram. That was when I started actually I think it was 2020, end of 2020, I think it started. Yeah. And then now I stopped it because the trading picked up very, very well and just did trading for it and just share what I'm doing, share my profits and everything. But now the thing is, if you have a large following, I need to see, because there's a lot of this audience also out there. I don't know if it's your audience, but a lot of people like, oh, if someone really makes money with trading, do they then need to coach? If someone really makes money with this, do they need to coach? I don't want to call it easy money, but it's just, see, if you have an audience of 300,000 followers and I get every single day right now, like I kid you not, I even posted it also. If I do a workshop or something, I just get a 
thousand plus um, registrations in like two days. And then so many people just asking, hey, can I learn from you? Can I pay you 20 grand? Can I pay you 30 grand? Can I pay you 10 grand, right? And then of course you're like, hey, you know what? Why not? Sure, let's open up a coaching. Do I have a few hours a week? So yeah, right now it's not available, not yet, but uh, maybe when people are listening in, in a week or two or so, we're launching it very soon. So yeah. And is it live coaching? Are you doing one-on-one? Have you created a course? Is it group coaching? Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be essentially one on one is not possible at this at this scale right now. My time is unfortunately not as scalable, but it's going to be um, live hundred percent, and there's also going to be a course. Yeah, so meaning that we just do live trades and recaps and look at the trades and and show exactly why would I set a trade now, and and then how it does play out. Listening to you talk, it sounds like you have a very strong mindset now, and I know that's developed over time through different failures and successes. Take us back to one of your darkest moments as an entrepreneur, just feeling the fear, the anxiety, because I know our audience is a lot of business people. They could be just starting a business. They could be midstream in their business, maybe trying to exit. But at any point in business, you're always faced with those mindset challenges. Tell us Give us an experience that you had. Yeah, I think um, one clearly sticks out to me because this was the first time where I really, really hit rock bottom, so to say. And it was in India and my brother and I had our savings, but we never checked the account because it was, it was uncomfortable. And we just thought, you know what, we're living you know, cheaply, so it's fine. But one day I checked the account and I realized, and this might sound completely ridiculous, but that's also where one lesson comes, always track your revenue and your bank statements and accounts start from zero even if nothing moves it's going to piss you off at some point then you want it to move up right so start track what what's get what gets tracked gets improved it's the number one rule i learned from then and i checked the bank account we had like 70 dollars um, left my brother and i combined and we were in, in mumbai in india right living for free actually at that point because we met or my mother actually met a very lovely lady that had an apartment there and was not living there she was traveling checked the bank account and literally this arrow was like $70. And literally the same day she called and was like, oh, you have to leave the apartment because my mother, so the grandmother, so to say, um, came to live there. And I was like, oh, when? And she's like, in two days. And I was like, I have $70 left in Mumbai. You can't like really live for European or American standard for $70 in Mumbai. Like it's not possible. And um, it's a pretty expensive city actually, specifically living. I called my father. I was like, hey dad, could you borrow me some money? Like how much money do you have left? And that was also the time where I knew they were really struggling as well. And he told me after this month's rent, there is no money left. That's it. And then he just has to earn more money again with the business. And then that's going to pay for the next friend. And like, there was a money you could send me. And that was a moment where I realized like, I really let them down. And I was like, not only that I really let them down, I was like, what am I going to do? If I'm in Germany, I'm going to call up a friend. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sleep on your couch. My mom's basement, my mom's room, whatever you call it. Um, you can always have some, but in Mumbai, like there was nothing. Shit. I remember I listened to Grant Cardone's um, book back then. And he literally just said, whatever situation you're in right now, it's absolutely your fault and no one else's. And he just went pounded on this. And because I went back then in the kitchen, I listened to it and I remember it as if it was yesterday. It was like, it's your responsibility. You could have done more sales calls. You pounded harder. You could have been better at the skill you're at, et cetera. And just already made sales, right? And not be in the situation. And I realized I and back then the pollution also, I think it's an important fact because pollution in Mumbai was through the roof. I didn't get any good air. I was eating very cheap shit food constantly. And I felt horrible. And this was the first time, and I'm usually a very happy, very positive person, where I felt like I wish like I would just like go. Like I have no freaking solution for that. I was like, I'm gonna be homeless in Mumbai. Like there were stories that everyone knows in Mumbai that, you know, rats are biting your toes off of little children that are homeless because you know you're sleeping on the streets and they're a thousand rats per freaking street, you know? And there's many stories of children getting the, the little toe um, bitten off, et cetera. And I was like, that can't happen. So we took this, that was the worst moment I've ever had in my life, for sure. 
And then we took the sleeper bus um, from Mumbai to Goa. Goa is at the beach. We were like, we'd rather sleep at the beach. We heard that there's some hippies sleeping there at the beach. And looking back, it's like, uh, oh, that's a, such an exciting story, you know, amazing. But in that moment, you don't know whether you make it out, whether or not or so. But yeah, I think that was the, the toughest. We kept pushing and pushing. The driving force behind my podcast is I've been exactly where you are, were multiple times. And it's hearing someone else's story where they were in a similar situation that really inspires them and gives them some hope. So it's accepting that personal responsibility. And then you just started to take action. So transitioning to your current business with the digital landscape in coaching, trading, it's a very crowded space and there's a lot of gimmicks out there. People just trying to collect a check for an online course or follow my trading system. And they do half the trades for one people or one group of people, right? And they work out and half the trade for another group. And you're going to have 50% of your clients are happy and, you know, 50% lose their money. So how have you been able to differentiate yourself as a coach, as an influencer, where people actually believe in what you're doing, what you're promoting? And then the second question is, how have you been able to be successful as a trader? Because there's you're, you're fighting against institutions of billions and billions of dollars, teams of thousands of analysts. How are you by yourself or with your brother in your apartment able to actually make money in the market? So I'll go with the first question first. Um, and I think the easiest answer to that is just, I was doing the thing that I was teaching first successfully. So I was doing with dropshipping. I had, you know, months where I was doing 300,000 euros in revenue. Still, I was like, oh, the margin could have been better. I saw, you know, people selling digital products or doing affiliate marketing, I mean, better margin with the same skill. But I had what the people wanted to have, right? And I went through that suffering phase, so to say, of like four or five months, just not knowing whether it's ever going to work, right? And then I had those results and those stores and those products. Yeah, and I was just able to document this transparently. And I think if what most people struggle with, because you mentioned it's so crowded, I think nowadays through the internet, everything moves so fast. Every single space that's worth going into is going to be crowded fast, period. The only thing you can do is just be part of the top 3% at any time. That's in health like that. You have to be the top 3% healthiest people out there. You have to be the top 3% best lovers out there or even 1% and in anything or else you're just going to be the sucker in the room. And the same thing is if you want to build your brand, what can you do? Be as authentic and transparent as possible. Might Some people be like, oh, but it's so bad nowadays. Everything is so, you know, intransparent and people feel like everything is, is so crowded and no one and everyone lies. Perfect. Then it's much easier to stick out if you're selling, if you're telling the truth, you know, as simple as that, right? And people are going to see through that. And if some people not, then okay, no, right? Then, but you don't, you only need a few people. You don't need the entire world to see you and watch you and follow you. When I just started posting that and showing the stores and everything, this is how it started. And then the first time I launched my coaching, literally the first month, I don't like $30,000 on the first month of launching my coaching. Most people that was just, what, was that a group coaching model? Did you build a course, an online course? How? That was, just, that was a course back then. It was literally a $497 course. And even with payment plan, no coaching involved, nothing. And then I transitioned it to a higher price program with support, literally WhatsApp supported team and everything. And because we realized the client success were just better, but that's how it started out at the beginning. So to answer the question, I think it's great that it's crowded. It just proves that it works, that there is a shit ton of money in the market. But at the end of the day, in anything that you go into, because people always say that, I think this example is amazing. In Dubai here right now, I heard a lot of times, oh, the, the Dubai real estate brokerage um, is so competitive. It's just so saturated. It's absolutely crazy. And I thought, 
oh yeah, that must be true because I'm not into the industry. But then I spoke to a guy who's really doing well. Like he was making millions of dollars as a broker in Dubai. I was like, isn't it crazy saturated? And he was like, it's saturated if you suck. But if you're actually good at what you're doing, it's easy. There's barely any good people here. And I was like, huh, right? And that just like clicked for me. So if you decide to be amazing at what you're doing, right? And have something to show. So if you're going out there with zero results, zero authority, zero transparency, trying to sell a coaching, how to become rich or become a millionaire without being one, then it's hard. I agree with you. Trying to fool people into believing something that's not the reality. That's hard. And at the end, just even if you have the results, are there sometimes people that I would say that's the first 40% to get started? Because then you already leave 80, 90% out of the market. Like because they're like not even the competition anymore, right? If you actually have the results and everything and done what you want to teach in the coaching. And um, the next part is just get really good at, at marketing. Study the people, Russell Bronson, whoever's out there, right? Start with the books, which are $7 and $9 even for free nowadays, right? And then just pound, pound, pound and learn, get better. What you say is so true. So I, because I've had success as an entrepreneur, people come to me all the time and they're like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And there's already competition and someone doing it. I'm like, if there isn't competition, it's a terrible idea. You're not that smart. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to come up with yeah. something that no one else is thinking of. It's something that's out in the market. How can you do it better than someone else? So the competition makes you be better. It validates the market. And like you said, if you're authentic and transparent and really doing what you say you're doing, then it's easy to establish yourself as an authority in the space. So I totally agree with what you're saying there. So with coaching, for sure, very competitive and you can have that authenticity. You have no experience, no training in trading. How did you get into that and find success? Because I know at least with my generation, there was a decade or so where everyone wanted to day trade. Oh, I'm going to be a day trader. Even the waiter at the restaurant is like, yeah, I, I trade stocks at night. I'm like, you just took my filet order and now you're like, you're day trading crypto at night. Like what's going on? So how are you able to actually learn the space, get traction and sounds like you're doing very well for yourself and your clients? Yeah. Very transparently in the very beginning, it was not, um, I was not the reason why that was the case. So what I did was I looked for the best person that I could possibly find. That sounds a little bit more easier than it was actually done, right? To find that person because it was not just a random Instagram person or something. I literally, I, last year in summer, I was like three months or so in Monaco and I met people, friends of mine, and I was invited on like a yacht and stuff. Because Monaco is like one of the richest cities and countries in the world, right? I was just the brokest person. And I looked at those yachts and this is where it really like kicked in because it was literally just like I transitioned a year ago. I realized, I looked at the people and was like, none of these yachts are owned by people who do the business that I do right? Because I was into service business. I'm doing very well. I'm very happy with my lifestyle and everything, but I wanted to get to the next level and realized time. Huh, and I lost a lot of money. Uh, my brother and I combined actually lost a million dollars in the, what well, means lost? We didn't sell, but that's, you know, <laughs> a lot of those coins ain't going to ever recover. Trust me. <laughs> so um, yeah, we put a million dollars in, in the crypto market and had no idea what we we're doing. Just FOMO, pure, stupid FOMO. We we're great at making money, but also there, I have to be very humble and honest. I was horrible horrible at multiplying it. People are like, yeah, but it's not such a problem for you. But the thing is, if you have combined with a brother, two, 300K cash flow coming in, you easily put 10, 20, 30K into some stupid project because you think it's got a 50X, right? And then I'm super rich. And our portfolio was like 70% down there. And I realized like, okay, so I'm doing something clearly wrong. I'm the sucker in the room. And if you know what you're doing and you're actually good, you can make a shit ton of money. 
And I met a lot of people and um, through contacts and speaking and many dinners and stuff, I met a guy who's been in the industry for 30 plus years, also a German guy, which is um, a funny coincidence. Um, he's been managing it's a billion dollars in assets as a trader and at crazy performances, also crazy, loss, crazy losses. That's the guy I need, you know, and he was not a coach and not a, you know, et cetera. But um, yeah, through, through uh, let's call it great networking maybe, but also just being you know, doing favors for other friends who knew him and like, you know, just being a good like person in a network, so to say yourself, it happened that, that he came into our network, so to say. Right. And then I could convince him to become my mentor, so to say, an analyst. And then in the beginning, I just copied him period. I wish I could say it was just myself in the beginning, but making the money that I made in trading from month one on very unrealistic as a beginner, very unrealistic. I'll just be straight up honest, right? Because that's just, most people will lose money for two to three years if they just do everything by themselves, right? And I just got this person and I just, I would say I jumped three years immediately. It's somehow, whenever I showed it to my analyst and my my mentor, so to say, it was like dirty technique analysis. This will never work in the long run because X, Y, Z. And I realized barely anyone, I'm not shitting on it. If it, see, there's a rule. If it works and you make money, I'm happy for you. The craziest shit can work, but oftentimes it's the best, the people are the best at the basics. Already starting at the basics, most people just work extremely dirty in the trading industry. And by dirty, I mean like they don't even, even people with 600,000 subscribers, 500,000 subscribers, they can't even put a proper trend line in. Like, I'm not even joking. You might think, oh, this is like, sounds crazy. So no, it, it's true. So I felt like I never had to go through shitty courses. I never had to go through all of that stuff. I literally just went to the best. And just to, to finish this up, I paid him 30 grand a month. And I can tell you that the 30K a month was not the main reason that got him convinced. Absolutely not. And he's an older person. He's, you know, in his 60s. He found me to be very likable and he enjoyed being around me and, and me admiring him and stuff like that. And um, yeah, that's how essentially it, it turned out. It turned out that I became quite fast, quite successful in the industry. Well, what you're saying is really important. So I definitely encourage my four sons to get good grades in school, but also in the back of my mind, it's not really about being able to do chemistry. Thank God for my oldest son or uh, math, uh, English, I do push down on reading, writing, but life is really about who you know and learning from other people. If you become a student of life, you're pretty much guaranteed success. Find people that are where you wanna go. So if you see an executive coach out there or a trader or an online course and that person is successful, why not learn from their mistakes to shorten your process? And that's what you're able to do. And the second point is, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we have a lot of former professional athletes on here, NBA champions, CEOs that have had a lot of success. The other mistake people make is they think they're going to make that amount of money forever. So if you think about the lifespan of an MBA athlete, it's three to five years. Yes, you're making $50, $100 million, but you've got to now stretch that for the next 50 years of your life. And it sounds like you were guilty of that as well. Money was coming in, made some bad decisions. Is there any advice you can give our listeners on how to take risk, but without overexposing themselves? Essentially, life in general, to start with that, um, I think the most important advice that I got um, back then was put 20% of what you make just in an emergency fund and let it be 10%. 20% is maybe, you know, if you earn very, very well, put 10% 
in an account which you just never touch. Let's not call it emergency fund. Let's call it law of attraction fund, right? Because one of the things that I've realized is also that um, if you have money stacked aside and you know you're safe, the basic needs, whatever, you know, how long you can live of it, a year, two years, et cetera, after some time, you're in a much better state of mind, mindset, which then results again to you being able to make better decisions because you're more at ease working out because things can always go wrong. Right. There's, right. and it's ignorant to think of yourself that, Oh no, I know made some money. I'm never going to go back. Right. So I can spend whatever I make. That's just narcissistic or ignorant. So there's a lot of amazing, smart people who made it, lost it again, made it, lost it again. Right. And, um, yeah, so it's trial and error. After I made serious amount of money, I realized that there were certain things I had no problem splurging money on restaurants, spend $500 on an evening, a thousand dollars an evening. I was like, whatever, you know, but then if I wanted to buy myself something that even kept value, like a watch. So then I was like, <gasps> spending money on a watch. I don't deserve that. Right. But it was so like, what? It didn't make any sense because in that year I might've spent more than those 50 grand on a, on a, on restaurants. I think it's very important for people to reward themselves. One of the most limiting beliefs out there is people will buy a house, buy a car, but then they won't spend ten dollars to $20,000 on a coach to help them be a better person, better at business, better at trading, uh, but you're buying a depreciating asset in a $50,000 car, you take a $10,000 vacation. It really is a mindset thing. When you get comfortable with who you are, you're willing to invest in yourself. That's the greatest yeah. investment. And it does. it is nice to enjoy nice things. It's nice to go to Dubai and Monaco and go on a yacht. It's not a lifestyle. Well, it is for some people, but I, I would get bored very, very quick. I like the challenge. I like the grind. You've obviously had a lot of success. You're young, living in Dubai, taking these trips, making a lot of money. What is motivating you to to keep going? Like you're, you're, it doesn't sound like you're taking your foot off the gas anytime soon. It's like 38 degrees outside. I'm pounding every single day, like in working. I realized last summer I had to experience it. You know, I was now I'm 26 years old. Last summer I was 25, and um, I was like. Being in Monaco, spending stupid money, being the brokest person, even though you think you made some money and everything, you know, that's a good lesson. Absolutely. But I also realized, as you said, it gets boring. I like routine. I like, you know, waking up at the same time, getting shit done. So I have, I have a lot of goals, right? And yeah, I just keep trying to hit those goals and uh, whether it's lifestyle goals uh, or just, um, yeah, getting on the next level, it's just this has been really insightful for me and also for our listeners. They can learn from someone that you weren't given the, the silver spoon. You don't have a Harvard education. You, you didn't invent the electric car. You didn't land on the moon. But not all of us are going to do that. And no, not all of us have to. It's you can take your situation, make the most of it, use life for you, continue to test and learn and try things. You've found your path to success. And it sounds like you have a great business. You're having a lot of success. So congrats on all of that for sure. And I, I can just see and, and hear from listening to you today is that this is just the beginning for you. So I believe very strongly you're going to 10x that. In a year or two, I'll be on your yacht in Monaco with you. And we'll be talking about the time you're on my podcast <laughs> If people want to learn more about your trading system, how to learn more, how do they get connected with Lenny Banks? So the easiest is just on Instagram at the Lenny Banks, T-H-E, and then Lenny Banks with double N-Y. And um, yeah, just follow me there. Send me an Instagram message. Congrats again on all your success. For our listeners out there, there's some great insight 
both in mindset, business, just in life as well and perspective. So thank you, Lenny, for joining the show. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you.